1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we have Alex on from Thoughtful Automation, and we'll be learning about the business case of the use case for why his prospects and customers pick Thoughtful Automation. So, Alex, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Thoughtful Automation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, William, for the sure. generous intro. Sure. Uh, Alex Zikoff, co-founder, CEO of Thoughtful Automation. Started my career back in 2009, uh, Deloitte Consulting and Tech Group, building large ERP systems for aerospace and defense companies. Uh, from there, I actually moved to Japan, helped uh, a large uh, aerospace company, set up a company there. From there, I got to uh, go to business school, sponsored by Deloitte, went to Berkeley for a couple of years, uh, stayed in the Bay Area for an extra three after that. Uh, I was there, actually, I went back to Deloitte. Uh, they had sponsored me to go to business school, and I got into robots and not the physical kind, the software kind. Um, And it was really fascinating. So, you know, 10 years prior, uh, when I started at Deloitte, uh, we were helping build um, the ERP system. And then 10 years later, I joined that same client actually, and we were building software robots to automate that software that we had built. So within 10 years, I had seen this really interesting automation cycle in the digital space from build system and software and, you know, train users to use it to build software robots operate the software and people, you know, not having to operate software. And so with that sort of light bulb moment, I was like, this is going to be pretty massive. This is going to be, uh, you know, if physical automation takes uh, decades. This is probably going to be 10 years that it takes to really massively roll out these software robots. So with that, I left Deloitte in 2019. I started uh, Thoughtful Automation uh, as a solo founder uh, and actually my co-founder now. He had wrote the first uh, angel check uh, along with my dad into the company uh, we basically with an idea, I was going to go out and try to, uh, find a, find a path for how to get these software robots into as many hands as possible. And, uh, we were fortunate. We found our first customer, uh, in South Florida. Actually, I had just moved there, uh, at the time to, uh, I had met, uh, a lovely lady who's now my fiance in Cabo actually, and, uh, followed my heart and moved down there after three months after dating, um, to see if the relationship would work out. It has, we're now engaged and I found a customer down there too. Uh, tried to sell him a bot Uh, we call them digital workers and we'll get into that the why behind that Uh, it worked out we actually found the business model there that is sort of our innovation automation as a service and i'll get get into that more Uh, and then from there we've you know been building uh, a lot of digital workers or bots for customers that's been really exciting uh, seeing the market really um, receive these well Uh, and they're actually hiring these digital workers as employees so the same way you know a cfo might look at a part of their org and say hey We've got 10 people running our revenue cycle department for this healthcare org. Uh, CFOs are now hiring digital workers as employees, and we license them to uh, the companies as employees with salaries and expectations and sort of a JD. And uh, that's sort of the business model at the most simplest form. Uh, we've now got you know around 100 digital workers, uh, different types, different systems, different use cases we can offer as employees to companies. And our mission is to build the world's largest digital workforce, uh, You know, getting a million digital workers live uh, as fast as possible. Uh, to help you alleviate the mundane repetitive task that employees have to deal with day-to-day, basically just processing data between systems, kind of the data assembly line. And quick stats on the company, uh, we are seed-funded, uh, 21 million from Drive Capital and Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, we've got 30 U.S. employees and 30 full-time Python developers that build on the thoughtful platform, helping build the digital workers. And yeah, we are growing and scaling. I think this is a time uh, with economic uncertainty happening. We're seeing a lot of demand increases for these digital workers. So I'll pause there. A lot of information. uh, Happy to double-click wherever you want to go. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, we're going to be double-clicking all over this. So digital workers. um, Well, let's let's go into a couple of examples of some of the different digital workers that you have right now and also kind of where you see that expanding.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, you know, one of our first digital workers was an invoicing digital worker, uh, primarily in the healthcare space, behavioral healthcare. And the task of that digital worker was to run through 50 clicks, four different systems, uh, you know, sort of an electronic healthcare record system, uh, your Microsoft Office suite, uh, send some emails, upload some data. Two people were doing that full-time before. They were basically just going through that sequence, Sending invoices. Those two people are sending 30 invoices a day. Uh, the CFO of the company, Butterfly Effects uh, is the name of the company, uh, came to me and said, "Hey, uh, this is a problem. We have a high turnover in this role. Where you know this maybe six months max, and then people want to leave because they hate that job. Uh, and he's like, I got to keep you know backfilling it, training it. The cost of that obviously you know is very evident." And then just quality, you know, there was a backlog growing. They could only get 30 out a day and they really needed to get out about 50 a day. And so that growing backlog was a pain for management. So I came in. Um, uh, it was actually just me at the time, a solo founder, solo company. Uh, we built the first digital worker. Uh, that one specifically was the invoice digital worker in a healthcare system. Built that in six weeks. So that's basically how long it takes to build a digital worker and replicate this uh, sort of employee's uh, task. Uh, And we license that as an automation as a service model. So what that means is that digital worker costs $2,000 a month. And it's a responsibility for thoughtful automation to keep that up and running and healthy. So we're basically responsible for the performance uh, and the company gets the value. Uh, That's why it is a very compelling uh, business model for uh, most companies because they basically just lock in cost savings uh, or some other value metric that's determined by the customer. Uh, So that's one example. So just to talk about that digital worker specifically, what happened as a result? So we deployed that digital worker uh, and the company is now able to, a quarter of an FTE can send 200 invoices a day versus two people sending 30. And so what that means on a, like, let's say a per invoice sent transactional level, they were spending about $12, $13 per invoice sent. And now they're spending less than a dollar on 87 cents per invoice sent. So again, that's just huge savings, obviously. Uh, But again, the efficiency... The digital workers help, uh, you know, the team members find places where the process is broken and actually uh, improve the process. And we actually build it with human in the loop. So this is a little bit how we're different. We don't try to get rid of people. We know what people are best at, which is working with other people, creative ideas, uh, calling people for collections. These are all things humans are really great at, uh, not operating in software and just moving data. So we design with our front end system called Empower, which is meant to, Interface with the digital worker and a human worker so that can, they can work together and become more, even more productive. And that is one example of a digital worker. and then we actually went from there and said, hey, what are other jobs that are really mundane and repetitive in the healthcare, specifically behavioral healthcare revenue cycle space? So we saw claims processing, invoicing the one I said in and statements and, and secondary claims. So we created an entire suite of digital workers the revenue cycle suite. And now we have CFOs of behavioral healthcare providers, basically licensing the the revenue cycle digital worker suite from us. Uh, And we've now been able to replicate that many times uh, for several behavioral health providers. So that's just one example of going from one to many digital workers at a company. And even further, we've seen companies take that and introduce us to other departments, uh, specifically HR and talent, uh, revenue cycle, they were like, they had some uh, touch points between the two departments. And so we got introduced there, and now we have some digital workers in the HR talent department.
1: But, you know, you know I know you face this question uh, in probably a, a general, you know, a jillion different ways, but some people will, will listen to this and say, well, we're replacing humans. And of course, that's a knee jerk reaction. Uh, but it seems to me that what we're really doing is we're making work more efficient. And again, a human being should have never been doing again like like the invoicing. There's there was a better way. We found a better way. Those human beings can be redeployed into other things that are more human centric. And and you probably have more of an eloquent way of saying that.
0: <laughs> that <laughs> but, no. William, that's perfect. That's exactly right. Uh, I used the Henry Ford assembly line example just to give like a physical world representation of this. We right. look back in 1913. Images of Henry Ford's assembly line, you're going to see people on the assembly line moving, you know, the car along. Fast forward to the 80s, you're mostly going to see a robotic factory. Right. And so that same representation is happening uh, in the digital world. Why is that important? Do people want to be in those factory jobs building widgets? You know, these are dangerous jobs right back in the physical world. And then we got robots so we could get more throughput efficiency, right? So these jobs become not in demand anymore. We actually saw this with the great resignation. A lot of people said, I don't want to do these jobs. I I don't want to show up to work. So, employers are like, well, we still have this work to do. Yes. Uh, And so, what happens is employers have to end up spending more money to get people to pay to do these uh, sort of mundane jobs, uh, psychologically, pretty terrible for a human. If all your job is, is to follow a script all day and you get no creative freedom, no interpersonal relations, uh, typically pretty bad for a human's brain. So, We just uh, look at it like we're actually able to free up that time. That's how we look at it. We're freeing up time for people to either one, look at the process and optimize the process, which is value add, uh, go work on creative solutions, um, go work on, you know, cross team collaboration. These are all things that are going to help the company grow and evolve and create more efficiency, not just run the software, run the process. You know, this is all basically commoditized work that should be automated.
1: Right. And we're just going to hunt as we should for, other things that should be automated. So once we've, you know, this company that you, you just explained, um, they're, they're already introducing you into HR and talent and sales and other things. It's a constant, it's, it'll be a constant, you know, a, 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 probably an audit of where what else can be audited or what else can be automated? Where else can we gain efficiency? And again, not getting rid of humans, <laughs> making humans more efficient. At the things that they yeah. should be efficient at,
0: yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, typically you you'll see uh, kind of creating five X uh, superhuman powers. So if you give a person a digital worker and they were typically doing that process before, they're going to be able to just offload all of that work to the digital worker and free up time and actually create a ton of value for the organization. Then, and I think all companies want to love that is like, hey, let's just automate all this back office work that like we have to do, and then let's go you know sell more deals let's go figure out how to create new products right these are the, these are the fun things these are the things that i think people really get excited to buy when they go to work not the uh, i have to process my email i mean me for example you know i spend a lot of my day and i'm sure you do too emails slacks updates you you realize when you count all the hours you're literally just like clicking and moving and doing repetitive <laughs> tasks all day it's like wait did i did i do anything today or did i just kind of like no, respond no. like a machine would to my email <laughs>
1: What are the edges that you found? Because you know, somebody asked you if you could do something, you probably evaluate it and say, okay, yes, this can be done. What are the edges that you've seen that you're 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 not quite there yet, or the technology is not quite there yet?
0: Yeah, great question. So we do see we use OCR a lot. So every digital worker, think of it as like we're assembling a robot and we're adding all the sensors. And so we use a lot of our technology to solve problems, right? And to replicate what a human's doing when they're Processing that digital work. So one example is, you receive a check. Typically, you know, there's a handwritten thing or an unstructured uh, part of that, and then you need to use OCR to kind of read that unstructured handwriting and then put that in a system so you can process that check. And OCR capabilities very high. We can process most checks. Can we process 100% of all handwriting? Uh, If someone has chicken scratch and like, no, it's not there yet. We're not at perfection with a lot of this right uh, being able to see handwriting and i think even some humans can't notice
1: handwriting <laughs> either, so i, I think about my asking. son when you're saying this but yes <laughs> yeah
0: I, I mean my dad's a veterinarian and i always like i his handwriting was horrible and i don't think any digital worker would be able to identify no, his handwriting.
1: his no. it's hieroglyphics at this point now no, the irony is he understands
0: yes that's what yeah. he always told me he's like i just need to know it you don't need to know it <laughs> So, yeah, no, I think um, the capabilities uh, there where it's just not structured enough, or the you know the machine learning models haven't figured out that slight variation. Um, yeah, we're, you know, humans are still going to be best there. Uh, in addition, where digital workers have a problem is if a process has, you know, non codified logic, right? So typically, right. part of our design process, we're like, well we interview people and we're like, a lot of people keep the process in their head. So we have to get that out. And because Elon Musk doesn't have Neuralink really live yet, we can't just extract that from the brain. So we have to interview people and say, hey, well, why did you click that screen? Oh, because of this decision in that system. So that's our like codification of logic process. But if we ask a question, go, hey, why did you do that? And someone, it's just like an intuition. I uh, can't codify the intuition yet unless, unless they can give us a rule. So we will run into instances where we're, building a digital worker uh, that replicates a certain job function. We do the design process and we realize, hey, there's actually no uh, rule for that. So what we do is we will put a, basically a human in the loop gate. And this is where the digital worker stops, the human logs into our system and power. They go, oh, I need to go do this part of the work because that's just like creative or, you know, in my brain, or I don't know how to codify it. And then they can also give it back to the digital worker to keep it completing it. So we have solved for that human in the loop but yeah, that's the stuff that is the intuitive stuff that we can't solve for. That, that is really the human
1: creative part. you know, over time, maybe, you know, again, we don't know what we don't know, but maybe over time we start to learn more about that. Uh, so yeah. you, you mentioned a phrase, uh, automation as a service. And I don't want to kind of go back to that for just a second. So, so as you're explaining this to prospects and customers, etc., it's it's probably new to them, uh, as it as it was new to me, as you said it. So, uh, so how do you frame that up for them?
0: Yeah, so it's you know the typical uh, buy versus kind of rent the uh, buy versus rent model. Right. And when I was at Deloitte, we would do the typical builds. You'd go, we would go onto our client site. We would. Uh, build an in-house capability. Uh, I was you know, consulting with large enterprises, uh, Fortune 50 clients. We would build an in-house capability, almost like if you kind of think back to the early 2000s, late 90s, uh, companies building servers on-prem. That was uh, in very vogue then. Same thing's happening with automation. Companies want to build their in-house capability. They want to scale the team that automates the work. Uh, And that costs a lot of money, to be honest with you. So to build a bot and an enterprise use case, you're looking around $250,000. And that's just like to buy it, right? Or to buy from a consulting provider like a Deloitte, IBM, Accenture. And then once you like kind of get that bot, you have to maintain it. And what I saw a real big issue was a lot of companies, they're all doing it differently. There's no standard protocol. The the bots, digital workers will break and then it takes two weeks to get fixed. And there's a lot of chaos. And then people stop using them when they break. And so what I found was, hey, why don't we just follow the same playbook that cloud went? Is like, why don't people just rent the bots? Just like, uh, you know, you kind of give an employee a salary, right? You just, they need to come up, show every day to work, and they need to provide value. That's sort of the same corollary that I think automation is is trying to replicate. But in the current model, trying to build it in-house and from scratch is just, uh, it's so expensive. So, and also at $250,000, most of the work, really that's getting automated, it's providing around seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of value. So it could take sometimes with the maintenance, three years of payback. Right. In, in today's world, three years, I mean, that's like forever in technology terms. So when when we kind of were playing with the automation of service idea, it's like, well, let's find the price point, which makes sense and provides value and lock that in for the buyer, which is typically CFOs or COOs. And so when we scope a process, we actually scope it. We have a, a mechanism. It's a proprietary model where we, scope our digital workers to one to two human FTE, depending on the process complexity. There's a lot of factors that go in there. And we lock in typically between 50 and 80% pure cost savings. Uh, the customers give us those inputs. We're just saying we agree to that. And then that's our job is to provide that value back to the customer. And that is the essence of automation as a service. We build the digital workers faster than anyone. Uh, I believe in the world. Uh, I'm I'm just coming from my experience doing it at Deloitte. We can do them in as fast as six weeks. Uh, if we've done it before, and if it's a net new replication of a person, uh, we can do that in three months. We basically can replicate any person in three months and license that back as a digital worker. And so what that means is if you've got people and they're doing work and they're expensive and they're doing work that should not be being done by a $100,000 a year person, uh, that's typically, you know, we're going in and we're uh, going to go look at that work and go, okay, our average digital worker is twenty five dollars to $30,000 a year. lock in $70,000 of savings. And uh, typically we've seen as those people go on to work uh, on more interesting projects, like the process improvement initiatives within the department, um, scaling, they actually like kind of, they're like digital worker managers now. So they manage the digital workers, they optimize them, they give them more output, just kind of changing how we think about humans interacting with automation. Uh, And so that is the core of automation service. What we actually do, and this is the kind of the cool tech, you aren't going to see this on our website, we're building the Gigafactory. So if the digital workers are the Tesla cars, we're building the machine that builds the machine. So a lot of our digital workers are already self-building. So they generate uh, code. So 20 to 30% of it can just be uh, spun up. So you save that in the time to build it. And then we use a mechanism called work blocks. So because we own the asset and we're renting it, uh, if a, if we've used a work block before, let's say it's a login to a certain system, we can reuse that to make it go faster. So that drives down our time to value or implementation of digital worker even further. Our personal goals in two years to get this down to two weeks, that you can basically put out a JD out there for an entry level data, data role or claims processing, and we can replicate that in two weeks. And then you can basically spin up the digital worker, and then it's trained, it's ramped, and it's adding value. And that's sort of, I think, the the, the mission here uh, as we think about it again, building the machine that builds the machines.
1: I love this. So questions uh, that prospects should ask if, if they've never been down this road before, which I'm assuming a lot uh, haven't, uh, they're intrigued obviously, but what should they be asking you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of people ask like, should I automate? Should I outsource to you know BPO facilities? Right. In- 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 right. in- that's typically like a question I get. And I say, well, I'm going to save you a lot of time when you, when you go to think about the outsource question, um, digital workers are going to are they're going to be less and they're going to be perfect. You're still going to see issues with the BPO facility, and digital workers are going to cost you less than the BPO facility. Uh, so that's typically a, a question I get. Typically, next up is, well, how much time do I have to put into this? Right? Uh, is this like a full time job for me to build a digital worker? Uh, another beauty of the automation of the service is we do everything from design the digital worker, train it, deploy it manage it and optimize it, which is part of the, the learning. So it actually gets smarter over time. So that's all included as automation a as service, kind of full end to end. And why that is important is because I can tell you when we did this in the enterprise, uh, it would take us six months to build. And I was a, a full time team working on that. So people really just need to provide the inputs, uh, provide the questions, sort of the design parameters. Uh, that's typically about anywhere between two, maybe max four hours per week for a process champion or expert. Uh, and that's it. That's all they need to do is, is they have that free time, then we can we can go build it uh, and then sort of manage it and optimize it. Uh, the so, next question is... Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, fish your thought.
0: Oh, last I would just say is do you have, uh, you know, a champion? Do you have an advocate? Do you have someone who really wants to right. do one? But, like, we see the benefits when you really get to, like, five and they're all working together. You're going to see a multiplier effect on the uh, value. So it's really great if you do one. It's, it's even better if you do two, but if you get to five, 10, that's when you're going to start to see like whole departments, I mean, you're going to really see the value. So having a champion kind of run that is really important.
1: So, and then this will, uh, you know, drive you crazy on some level, but your favorite customer story, not naming names or brands or any of that type of stuff, but just somewhere where you're like, Oh, this was, this was groundbreaking. This was actually really cool.
0: Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of great, uh, use cases and stories. I,
1: I go with your most recent,
0: you know, I want to go back to, uh, one of our earlier customers. Um, actually it was in our first year. Uh, I told you about the first bot, the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the invoicing bot. And I was really, we were really excited by that one. Cause that was the proof of concept. We got it out there. And then we, like, hey, let's go see if we can resell this one. And so our second customer, uh, another behavioral health provider out of Denver, they were really excited uh, because we, they had actually spec this work with a, like a, a Deloitte-like entity. And someone quoted them $300,000 uh, <laughs> to build all yeah. their digital workers. And for most companies, yeah. um, you know, in sort of the mid-market uh, SME space, that's just like a no. Too much. And then they have to spin up a team to do that. And so this was our second customer. I remember going in for the sale and I'm just still like, hey, this this is such a new concept. And people are like, what is this automation service? They're like, this is too good to be true. But we just got quoted (laughs) $300,000. And we came in and I think we charged, uh, I know exactly how much we charged. I mean, we charged uh, $8,000 a month for everything. Um, And this was a suite, a five. This was the entire revenue cycle department. And that got the deal done. And what's amazing is we were able to spin up an entire department. And this was early days, by the way, we were like still four employees. Uh, and now we, you know, we've got 60 total people. So we're able to get in faster, but we did it in four months. Oh, and wow. that, would have, that would have taken us a Deloitte, you know, probably million dollar plus project. So you're talking, it costs $32,000, $8,000 a month over four months. I really knew we had something there. That was 10% total cost of ownership to get those deployed. Uh, and that's when I was really excited because I knew we had something. I knew we had something that wasn't just a single digital worker. We had a department, a demand, a demand for a department. They got implemented. Users were using them, and they were and they were working at a much higher efficacy. So another thing is, uh, you know, when I'm doing this in the enterprise, a lot of these would fail about two out of five times, about 60% hit rate of success, success which is not great if you're thinking about an employee only <laughs> achieving 60% success. Uh, and with these, we were able to get them up. Uh, at once they were fully trained and optimized to above 95, 96, 98%. That's incredible. And that doesn't oh. mean they fully fail. It means sometimes they don't have a record and so they won't process a record. Right. But fully successful runs, we're getting up those rates, just incredible progress uh, moving the needle. And so I knew we had something when we got the TCO down and the quality and the value was being provided was high. I knew whatever you do in life, if you can provide a high quality product at, at a 10th of the cost, something's going to happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, yeah,
0: Something magical will happen. Some, Not something.
1: sure what, but good things will happen. Good things will follow, <laughs> correct. Brother, this has been absolutely wonderful. Alex, thanks for carving out time for our audience.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Will. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time.
0: You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.